And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hodnell. This is the Ken Hodnell Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is September the 11th. Very well-known date in history. It's, uh, let's see. Two hundred fifty-fourth day of the year, hundred and eleven days remain to the year's over with, and most of today's show is going to be about the nine-eleven attacks. So just settle back and find out about this date in the year nine. Battle of Tudorberg Forest ends. Roman Empire suffered the greatest defeat of its history. And the Rhine establishes the border between the Empire and the so-called barbarians for the next 400 years. 1185, Isaac II Angelos kills Stephen Agio Christophorides and, and appeals to the people, resulting in a revolt to depose Andronicus the first Comnenus and places places Isaac on the throne of the Byzantine Empire. Don't forget the Byzantine Empire was the Eastern Roman Empire. 1297, Battle of Stirling Bridge. The Scots, jointly led by William Wallace and Andrew Moray, defeat uh, the English. 1390, Lithuanian Civil War. The Teutonic Knights began a five-week siege of Vilnius. The Teutonic Knights were the uh, German version of the Knights Templar. 1541, Santiago Chile is attacked by indigenous warriors led by Michel Malonco to free eight indigenous chiefs held captive by the Spaniards. 1565, Ottoman forces retreat from Malta, ending the Great Siege of Malta. 1609, Henry Hudson arrives on Manhattan Island and meets the indigenous people living there. Uh, 1649, Siege of Drogheda ends. Oliver Cromwell's parliamentarian troops take the town, execute its garrison. That wasn't uh, very nice. 1683, Battle of Vienna. Coalition forces, including the famous winged hussars, led by the Polish king, John III Sobetsky, lift the siege laid by Ottoman forces. For those that are not familiar with the famous winged hussars, they were a heavily cavalry, heavy cavalry formation active in Poland and Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth from about 1503 to 1702. Their name is derived from the large rear wings which were intended to demoralize the enemy during a charge. They ranked as the elite of Polish cavalry until their official disbanding in 1776. Their dress, of course, was ostentatious and comprised... Uh, a plated body armor adorned with gold ornaments, a brigonet or lobster tail pot helmet and jack boots, as well as weapons such as lances and concerts and sabers and what have you. They uh, usually dressed in black and red, and uh, they were girded with tanned animal hide. They started out as light cavalry units of exiled Serbian warriors who came to Poland from Hungary as mercenaries in the early 16th century and developed into 
a group that could send chills down your spine if they were charging at you. Uh, 1697, major engagement in the Great Turkish War, one of the most decisive defeats in Ottoman history. 1708, Charles XII of Sweden stops his march to conquer Moscow outside Smolensk, marking a turning point in the Great Northern War. Armies defeated nine months later in the Battle of Potava, and the Swedish Empire ceases to be a major power. Otherwise, we could all be speaking Swedish. 1709, Battle of Malplaquet. Can't talk. Great Britain, Netherlands, and Austria fight against France. 1714, Siege of Barcelona. Barcelona, which was the capital city of Catalonia, surrenders to Spanish and French Bourbon armies in the War of the Spanish Succession. 1758, Battle of St. Cast. France repels the British invasion during the Seven Years' War. 1775, Benedict Arnold's expedition to Quebec leaves Cambridge, Massachusetts. That was before he showed his true colors. 1776, British-American Peace Conference on Staten Island fails to stop the American Revolutionary War. 1777, American Revolutionary War, Battle of Brandywine. British celebrated a major victory in Chester County, Pennsylvania. 1780, saw the Sugarloaf Massacre. A small detachment of militia from Northampton County, Pennsylvania attacked by Native Americans and loyalists near Little Nescopec Creek. It was also during the American Revolution. 1786, the beginning of the Annapolis Convention. Uh, formerly titled as a meeting of commis uh, commissioners to remedy defects of the federal government. Huh. National Political Convention held September 11th through the 14th in 1786 at uh, Mans Tavern in Annapolis, Maryland. Twelve delegates from five states. New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Virginia got together to discuss and develop a consensus on reversing the protectionist trade barriers that each state had erected. I can't say that it was especially successful. 1789, Alexander Hamilton is appointed the first U.S. Secretary of the Treasury. 1792, the Hope Diamond is stolen by a lot of French crown jewels when six men break into the house where they're stored. 1800, the Maltese National Congress battalions are disbanded by British Civil Commissioner Alexander Ball. 1802, France annexes the Kingdom of Piedmont. 1803, Battle of Delhi during the Second Anglo-Maratha War between British troops under General Lake and the Marathas of Sindhya's army under General Louis Barquin. 1813, War of 1812, British troops arrive at Mount Vernon and prepare to march to and invade Washington, D.C. 1814, also in the War of 1812, the climax of the Battle of Plattsburgh, major U.S. victory in the war. 1926, Captain William Morgan, an ex-Freemason, is arrested in Batavia, New York for debt after declaring he would publish The Mystery of Freemasonry, a book actually against Freemasonry. That set in motion events that led to his mysterious disappearance. Nobody really knows what happened to him.
1829 expedition led by Isidro Baradas at Tampico, sent by the Spanish crown to retake Mexico, surrenders at the Battle of Tampico, uh, marking the effective end of Mexico's campaign for independence. Eighteen thirty, Anti Masonic Party Convention, one of the first American political party conventions took place on this date. Eighteen thirty six, the Rio Grandense Republic is proclaimed by rebels after defeating Empire Brazil's troops at the Battle of Sidal during the Ragamuffin War. Now, there was a lot of wars we don't really know that much about. The Ragamuffin War, for example, was a Republican uprising began in southern Brazil. The province of Rio Grande do Sul, 1835, led by Generals Benito Gonzalez de Silva and Antonio de Nusuzuneta with the support of the Italian fighter Giuseppe Garibaldi. That war ended with an agreement between the two sides known as the... Well, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, the war ended in an agreement between the two sides, known as the Green Pancho Treaty. Over time, the revolution acquired a separatist character and influenced separatist movements throughout the entire country, such as the Liberal Rebellion in Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Minas Gerais in 1842, and Sabanada in Bahia in 1837. 1851's Christiana Resistance Escaped slaves led by William Parker fight off and kill a slave owner who was a federal marshal and an armed party sought to seize three of his former slaves in Christiana, Pennsylvania. Created a cause celebre between slavery proponents and abolitionists. 1852, outbreak of the revolution of September 11, resulting in the state of Buenos Aires declaring independence as a republic. 1857, the Mountain Meadows Massacre took place on this date. Uh, Mormon settlers and Paiutes massacre 120 pioneers at Mount Meadow, Utah. 1881, on the Swiss state of Glarus, uh, like side various parts of the village of Elm, destroyed 83 buildings and killed 115 people. 1897, after months of pursuit, generals of Menelik II of Ethiopia captured Gaki Zerocho, the last king of the Kaffa. 1903, the first race at the uh, Milwaukee Mile in West Allis, Wisconsin, is held. The oldest major speedway in the world. 1905, the Ninth Avenue derailment occurs in New York City, kills 13 people. 1914, World War One, Australia invades German New Guinea, defeating a German contingent at the Battle of Bitapaka. Also, 1914, on this date, the second period of Russification. Teaching of the Russian language and Russian history in Finnish schools is wanted to be considerably increased as part of the forced Russification program in Finland run by Tsar Nicholas II. 1916, the Quebec Bridge's central span collapses, killing 11. Bridge uh, previously collapsed completely August 29, 1907. 1919. United States Marine Corps invades Honduras. 1921. Nahalal, the first Moshav in Palestine, is settled as part of a Zionist plan of creating a Jewish state, later to be called Israel. 1922, the Treaty of Kars is ratified in Yerevan, Armenia. 
1941, construction begins on the Pentagon. Also in 1941, Charles Lindbergh's Des Moines speech accusing the British, the Jews, and FDR's administration of pressing for war with Germany took place on this date. Now, since he was known to be uh, a supporter of Germany, a lot of folks took what he said with a grain of salt. 1943, World War II, German troops occupy Corsica and Kosovo, Metohia. Ending the Italian occupation of Corsica. 1944, World War II, RAF bombing raid on Darmstadt. And the following firestorm killed 11,500 people. 1945, World War II, Australian 9th Division forces liberate the Japanese-run Batu Lintang Camp. That was a POW and civilian internment camp on the island of Borneo. 1954, Hurricane Edna hits New England as a category 2 hurricane causing significant damage and 29 uh, excuse me 20 yeah 29 deaths 1961 hurricane carla strikes the texas coast as a category 4 hurricane the second strongest storm ever to hit the state 1965 indo-pakistani war indian army captures the town of berkey which is southeast of lahore 1967 china's people liberation army launched an attack on indian posts at uh, Natu La, Sikkim, India, which resulted in military clashes. 1968, Air France Flight 1611 crashes off Nice, France. Killed 89 passengers and six crew. 1970, the Dawson Field hijackers were at least 88 of their hostages. The remaining hostages, mostly Jews and Israeli citizens, are held to September 25th. Now, for those that are not familiar with the Dawson Field hijackers, they were members of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. They hijacked four airliners bound for New York, one bound for London. Three aircraft were forced to land at Dawson Field, remote desert airstrip near Azarka in Jordan, formerly Royal Air Force Station Azarka, which then became uh, the Popular Front's uh, revolutionary airport. By the end of the incident, one hijacker had been killed and one injury reported. This was the second instance of mass hijacking after an escape from communist Czechoslovakia in 1950. The, uh, the, while the majority of the 310 hostages were transferred to Amman and freed on the September 11th, the uh, Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine uh, segregated the flight crews and the Jewish passengers, keeping the 56 Jewish hostages in custody and released all the non-Jews. Six hostages in particular were kept because they were men and American citizens, not necessarily because they were Jewish. Uh, Robert Norman Swartz, a U.S. Defense Department researcher stationed in Thailand. James Wood, Swartz's assistant in security detail. Gerald Berkowitz, an American-born Jew and College chemistry professor and Rabbi Avraham Arari Raful and his brother Rabbi Yusuf Arari Raful, two Sephardic Brooklyn school teachers, and John uh, Hollingsworth, State Department employee. Swartz, whose father was Jewish, it was a convert to Catholicism. Um, September 12th, part of their announced deadline, the, the PFLP used explosives to destroy the empty airplanes. They anticipated a counter-strike. The um, 
No, of course, their use of Jordanian territory was an example of the increasingly autonomous Arab-Palestine activity within the Kingdom of Jordan, and it was a serious challenge to the Hasmonean monarchy of King Hussein. Hussein declared martial law September 16th, and up until the 27th of September, his forces deployed into Palestinian-controlled areas in what became known as Black September in Jordan, nearly starting a regional war with Syria, Iraq, and Israel. Of course, the swift Jordanian victory enabled a September 30th deal in what's remaining PFLP hostages were released in exchange for Khalid and three uh, members of the group in Swiss prison. Nineteen seventy one the Egyptian constitution becomes official. Nineteen seventy two the San Francisco Bay Area Rapid Transit System begins passenger service. Nineteen seventy three a coup in Chile headed by General Augusto Pinochet topples the democratically elected president Salvador Allende. Uh, Pinochet exercised dictatorial power until ousted in a referendum in nineteen eighty eight. But he stayed in power until nineteen ninety. 1973, J.A.T. Airways Flight 769 crashes into the Maganik Mountain Range while on approach to Titograd Airport. Killed 35 passengers and 6 crew. 1974, Eastern Airlines Flight 212 crashes in Charlotte, North Carolina. Killed 89 passengers and 2 crew. 1976, a bomb planted by Croatian terrorists, Zavanko Busic, is found at New York's Grand Central Terminal. One uh, NYPD officer is killed trying to defuse it. 1980, a new constitution of Chile is established under the influence of then-Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet, which is subject to controversy in Chile today. 1982, international forces that were guaranteed the, guaranteeing the safety of Palestinian refugees following Israel's 1982 invasion of Lebanon leave Beirut. Five days later, several thousand refugees are massacred in the Sabra and Shatila refugee camps by Falange forces. 1989. Hungary announces the East German refugees have been housed in temporary camp for free to leave for West Germany. 1990. A faucet Boeing 727 disappears in the Atlantic Ocean while being flown from Malta to Peru. 1991, Continental Express Flight 2574 crashes in Colorado County, Texas, near Eagle Lake. Killed 11 passengers and 3 crew. 1992, Hurricane Aniki, one of the most damaging hurricanes in U.S. history, devastates the Hawaiian island of Kauai and Oahu. 1997, NASA's Mars Global Surveyor reaches Mars. 1997, Kirksey tragedy. Fourteen Estonian soldiers of the Baltic Battalion are drowned or die of hypothermia during a training exercise in the Kirksey Strait. 1997, after a nationwide, uh, nationwide referendum, Scotland votes to establish a devolved parliament within the UK. 2001, the September 11th attacks, a series of coordinating terrorist attacks, killing 2,996 people using four aircraft, hijacked by 19 members of Al-Qaeda. We're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. 
Two aircraft crash into the World Trade Center in New York. A third crashes into the Pentagon in Arlington County, Virginia, and the fourth in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. 2007, Russia tests the largest conventional weapon ever, the father of all bombs. 2008, major channel tunnel fire breaks out on a freight train, resulting in the closure of part of the tunnel for six months. 2011, a dedication ceremony is held at the United States National September 11th Memorial on the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attacks in New York City. The memorial opens uh, to family members. 2012, a total of 315 people are uh, killed in uh, two garment factory fires in Pakistan. Also in 2012, the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi, Libya is attacked, resulting in four deaths. 2015, a crane collapses into the Masjid al-Haram Mosque in Saudi Arabia, killed 111 and injured 394 others. Well, you know, we've talked about many things over the, the, uh, I've been doing this particular um, show for um, I'm finishing up my eighth season, a hundred shows per season, and I started doing my show in um, 1988, I think, and I've interviewed a lot of people and talked to a lot of folks and. Dug into a lot of stuff. Uh, we spent three years living in New York City. And in fact, the day of the first bombing, we were on the way to the World Trade Center. I stopped to pick up my glasses. And for some reason, they couldn't find them, though they were right where they were supposed to be. Otherwise, we'd have been getting off the uh, subway about the time the bomb went off. Our uh, wedding reception was in Windows on the World, which was on top of the World Trade Center. We were living here, where I do my show, um, on 9-11. And there's been a lot of stories, rumors that it may have been a false flag operation. I talked to an FBI agent who told me that if they had arrested bin Laden, they didn't have enough evidence to indict him. So that certainly raised a lot of questions. Um, and of course, every conspiracy theory you can imagine has um, been put forth. Uh, there's one major conspiracy theory that it was an inside job. It was the vice president, secretary of defense, and top military chief and other U.S. officials were involved in various ways, aiding and abetting the hijackers. Um, 
apparently they were looking for justification to go to war. Now, the American people are notorious at not wanting to take the first shot. I mean, look at Pearl Harbor. And there were still people who didn't want to go to war even after we were attacked. Now, there has been um, something that came to light. It was uh, called the Northwoods, Operation Northwoods. And it was developed during uh, John Kennedy's administration. We were looking for a justification to invade Cuba. And the Northwoods conspiracy, as I called it, because I wrote a book about it, was put forth um, to the Joint Chiefs officially talking about um, attacking our own cities and shooting down our own planes, killing our own troops, and blaming whoever we wanted to blame. John Kennedy said no. I'm going to put an end to it. But there are those that believe that it was still being bandied about. Now, part and parcel, parcel of the... Uh, plot that some believe led to 9-11. There had to be, if in fact uh, it was orchestrated by the powers that be, there had to be a way to cover it up. And certainly there have been many, many cover-ups uh, the mainstream media has been a major culprit. Uh, look at what's going on right now with Hunter Biden. Uh, the accusation was and remains primarily based on undeniable publicly established facts. Is, and once you get past the horrors of the very idea that such a heinous plot could have been hatched here in a seeming impossibility of such great iniquity and treason, above all the culprits getting away with it, there's a lot of additional evidence and inferences which, in the view of many sober, reputable, and open-minded people, form an overwhelming case that, in fact, Osama may not have been the sole culprit. Now, I talked to one of the officers who was involved in one of the, I think it was the Pentagon attack. And supposedly it was Middle Eastern terrorists. But in the, the bodies that they discovered, they didn't find any of Middle Eastern extraction. Now, of course, that was rectified shortly after that. When uh, 
I think it was three Middle Eastern bodies turned up on top of the the ones that are already there. Now, supposedly, there were supposedly 19 Middle Eastern terrorists that were permitted, facilitated, and were not engineered outright by Americans, including the leading officials, to ensure its success, um, supposedly carried out this heinous plot. Now, the purpose, supposedly, was to generate great public fear and fervor of a new Pearl Harbor and the spirit and cover of, uh, so they could bring about huge radical alterations to the country's military and foreign policy and domestic policy and create homeland security and all this other, all these other actions and plans and laws and secret operations. I mean, it's in that fervor that the Patriot Act got passed that is anything but patriotic. Now, the commission that was put together to investigate followed in the footsteps of the Warren Commission. Many say it was a complete whitewash. Issued a report full of lies as part of the cover-up. Now, there are those that say it was an expansive and sequel to what was called the first stage coup d'etat accomplished in the 2000 election of, uh, involving Bush versus Gore. When the big argument became hanging chads and all this other. You know, many Americans, probably a good many, with regard, we we believe our elections are, for lack of a better term, sacred. And that's the basis of our democracy. But it's now come to light that they're not as sacred as you might believe. Since most voting machines are computer-based, if you can access the computer program, you can have a field day. And some people even believe to seriously suggest the possibility that uh, there was a monkey business in uh, our elections is altogether unacceptable. I mean, Trump asked for a recount, and he's being prosecuted by a special prosecutor for interfering with the election. Now, we'll have another show about some of the silliness going on there. And there have been those that say questions and disputes about elections should be forbidden. They should be classified as an offense of some kind. And that's what they're doing right now. There are two or three forms of automatic response people generally have to uh, the idea of the false flag conspiracy theory. 
One, they'd never do such a thing. The very idea is outrageous. Or they couldn't couldn't have gotten away with it. Somebody would have talked. Or the U.S. government's too incompetent. They could never have pulled it off. Well, if you look at Vietnam as an example, or pulling out of Afghanistan, that debacle, Yes, that shows incompetence because it was being run by the suits in both cases, not by trained military uh, officials. Basically, these responses are a reflex action, often colored with scorn or anger or, or both, but at the bottom, basically, don't bother me with facts. Don't make me have to think. A Nobel laureate named Daniel Kahneman wrote about what he calls cognitive illusions. That's a belief that some, something you instinctively feel sure of, but which in fact is false. Um, or the illusion of assured truth of on a given sense unfounded, actually stems from an unabiding belief in the reliability of one's own judgment. People feel they just know it couldn't have happened. Or one person said she didn't even want to talk about it because I don't live in a country where that could happen. Well, I got news for you. Things like that happen every day. Actually, everybody pretty much starts right there. Or did start there back in 2001. Because coming out of the shock and horror and astonishment at what had occurred, the population was bombarded with the trumped up, trumpeted official version. 19 suicide bombers, fanatical Islamic jihadists who hate us for our freedoms, were sent by the terrorist evil genius Osama bin Laden to hijack four planes and crash them into buildings. And the buildings collapsed. Except on the fourth plane, the passengers fought back, resulting in a fatal crash in a, a field. And, of course, the president trotted out to his podium and said, We're at war. A war on terror. Well, that was the explanation and the outlook and the entire content of the public discourse. An immediate worldwide war against terrorists knows who harbor them. And we were sending an invading army to Central Asia right now. Well, everything was changed and portents in our own country ominous indeed and soon blossomed hideously in sweeping roundups of Arab Americans and U.S. military invasion of Afghanistan, a torture prison in Guantanamo, the Patriot Act, renditions in a war of mass murder and lies against Iraq, shock and awe, Abu Ghraib, Fallujah, Haditha, and account of other American atrocities in a full civil war. Still continuing between local Arab people who previously lived at peace together for centuries. These horrors in the atmosphere that blew up literally unstoppably in those first days flowed directly from and were enabled by this veritable Pearl Harbor moment in the life of the nation. These and so many more. Only think for yourself of what happened in 
has happened since and is still going forward militarily and otherwise. It's even today being extended and refocused and mounting provocations against Russia and the ominous Pacific pivot of our country's death-dealing nuclear armadas and an aggressive close encirclement of China. Well, keep in mind, Ukraine is basically, I view, as a, a proxy war. Russians against folks we're basically funding. Anybody who comes merely to question the official version or any part of it, let alone conspiracy theorists of whatever school they might be from, must first set aside the official account, which is, of course, much more elaborate and it's the way it's put together and what I've said. You should have to keep in mind that the the weird, implausible alternative to the false flag conspiracy, which is surely equally hard to swallow if you think about it, is that the attack succeeded because of widespread, fortuitous, across-the-board bungling, time-coordinated blunders at all stations on that day and for weeks and months beforehand, which has never been plausibly described, let alone explained. Nobody's given or taken any blame for any of it, and nobody at the top, including the powers that be at the time, has ever shown any interest in finding out who, in fact, is responsible for any of it going wrong. Now, to my way of thinking, that's a completely unnatural, implausible response to what happened. And certainly calls into question the the innocence and reliability of the folks in power. Apparently the country was so quickly swept up in public horror and alarm and universal rage immediately mobilized against this enemy. The Somebody who's trained by our own CIA, Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, the hostile terrorist army drawn from among more than a billion Muslims worldwide. Keep in mind that in the days after 9-11, we rounded up all of Osama's friends, relations, and hangers on who are here, stuck them on a plane, and got them out of the country. Now, it would seem to me if, in fact, he was guilty, that's an interesting way to deal with it. Many questions that uh, arose, such as how this horrific attack could ever have come about successfully against our extremely expensive national defenses. is one that's never been answered. I mean, how did it happen and who's responsible for the screw-ups? It's amazing that these questions haven't been faced and the whitewash was pervaded and sold and bought and swallowed instead of being questioned. But the fact is that rather than attending to the obvious questions, the nation plunged ahead into an enormous uh, war. Wildly expensive, ultra-modern, and very high-tech. Involving lawless invasion and occupation and slaughter and destruction brought to so many millions of plainly innocent human beings, all of a very different faith and culture and history. It caused uncounted tens and hundreds of thousands of wrongful deaths, torture, 
in a vast, awful, ruined nation of their own ancient, distant country? It was and remains a ghastly, aggravated, profoundly criminal, aggressive war. Under the Nuremberg Laws, it was a paramount international crime against people halfway around the world. Our country and its military and business partners already bled and tyrannized behind the similarly phony trumped-up first Gulf War. And our own country drove ahead into a maelstrom of high-level corporate and banking crookedness, reactionary packing of the courts and agencies, and relentless expansion of the manifold security apparatus. Political and economic morass soon developed and has only gotten worse since day one. I mean, the vaunted homeland security. They may as well be standing at the border waving people through because they're doing nothing to, to protect the security of the country. Now, we all know it was brought about by political leadership cabal in Washington who seized the moment and drove events as they progressed. There was a political movement in the country that leveled in all of it, and still does for that matter. Stays well in the mix as the country itself continues to play out the political, military, economic gambits, foreign and domestic, that exploded out of the 9-11 attack. And that moment certainly has deep roots, and it's proclaimed itself in its belief in the need of America to make such wars in the West and Central Asia especially, where the oil and gas is, uh, coincidentally enough. The neoconservative movement, with our two leading uh, defendants, uh, the uh, Vice President and Secretary of Defense at the time, stated clearly their core belief America must have full-spectrum dominance over all the nations and peoples of the world and have to control the oil in the Middle East and the Caspian Basin. And we have to send and use great armies, navies, and air forces even robot drones to secure and maintain our dominance. Now that goes far beyond responding to an attack. This was the position of the project for a new American century uh, that a uh, think tank developed to defend and promote U.S. military industrial interest in the ba uh, backwash of the Cold War's end came out in 1998. It was in a formal statement of policy. Rebuilding America's defenses. And as part of that, they conceded that the American public was in no frame of mind to get on board or accept that program, and they needed something like a new Pearl Harbor. And they called it that. They thought the country needed that before it would accept or support the broad military, foreign policy, energy industry endeavor, the the think tank saw as vital to America's future. And from that perspective, it, is it really so impossible that fully empowered the true believers in this viewpoint would be willing to see an actual Pearl Harbor come about? Well, they might be moved once they were aware the attack plan was afoot to take various measures designed to ensure it would succeed. Remember the main? How about the Reichstag fire, the Gulf of Tonkin? We now know that there was no attack in the Gulf of Tonkin. Johnson and his people made it up. 
Normally, in a case raising claims of serious official wrongdoing, the first question is obviously, what's the evidence? Well, I have learned to my dismay that our courts don't need evidence. First question they ask is, why would they lie? Well, the, evidence, the question of what is the evidence is being viewed through the cognitive illusion of the supposed conspiracy and international acts and omissions that would have carried it forward could not possibly have occurred. It's too unthinkable. So it had to be real. In the majority of cases, apparently, including the entire establishment, journalistic and otherwise, these illusions serve and still serve as an effective excuse for refusing to examine the evidence. And instead, they dismiss the possibility of treasonous acts out of hand and generally with anger, scorn, and condescension. You know, when Ted Turner on CNN, you could depend on what they said. And now, I cut it off when it comes on. That's how untrustworthy they have become in the minds of many people. Well, there's a number of folks who have um, come to question what happened on 9-11. Those folks have come to be called truthers. Time Magazine wrote about them uh, September 6, 2006. They talked about a Scripps Howard poll of 1,010 adults that took place in uh, August of 2006 found that 36% of Americans considered highly likely or somewhat likely government officials either allowed the attacks to be carried out or carried out the attacks themselves. Now, 36% is a lot of folks that's not accepting the government story. It's not a fringe phenomenon. It's a mainstream political reality. And although the 9-11 truth movement, as many conspiracy believers refer to it, been largely ignored by the mainstream media, it is flourishing on the Internet. Now, indeed, it's a very broad movement, encompassing many points of view about many different phases of the known and possible facts. One thing everybody agrees on is the official explanation in and out of the official 9-11 Commission report are a crock and a completely independent inquiry with full, complete subpoena access to the documentary, photographing and physical evidence, and the sworn testimony of everybody concerned has to take place if anything approaching the truth is ever going to be publicly established. We learned that with the Warren Commission. They lied, and anybody that questioned it um, paid the penalty. One member went to help a... Uh, candidate in Alaska who was running for office vanished never to be seen again well there have even been lawsuits filed to try to get 
such a commission established. Um, but the powers that be couldn't tolerate it. And if you think courts are fair and impartial, I got news for you. They're anything but. I had a judge tell me when our attorney took a bribe to walk away in a case we were involved in. He said, well, who are you going to select now? And I said, we're going to do it ourselves. You can't do that. I have friends who are attorneys who need work. Well, excuse me. He said, I don't believe anything an ignorant pro se says in my court. A pro se litigant is someone who represents themselves. And he proceeded to show that he had absolutely no respect for anything remotely said by someone representing themselves. And now the chickens are circling and they appear to be coming home to roost. Um, new judge was assigned to it. Um, the uh, violations of civil rights, I pointed them out. A federal agency promised there would be legal representation. They lied like a rug. And they admit they lied. I just don't understand the bigger picture. Well, you know, it's interesting to note that you can't see sometimes the forest for the trees. If you go into research with the end result already in mind, that's what you're going to find. If you don't go in just looking for what the truth is. Then you're never going to find the truth. I talked to somebody who was at the Pentagon when the plane hit he said the security cameras did not show a plane coming in one woman who was there went out through the opening in the building caused by the alleged crash and said there was no sign of a crashed airliner and if one had crashed as they said it did she would have been killed based on where she was at Well, it's also interesting to note that one of the buildings, the Trade Center complex, World Trade Center is not one building, it was several, pancaked as you would normally find in a controlled demolition. Now, if in fact, as many people suspect, the Pentagon explosion was a result of a bomb,
that's one thing, but if it was an airliner coming in, if it really was one, and the powers that be knew it, why were those in the building not evacuated? But they weren't evacuated, they were even warned. And it appears the reason involved an enormous nefarious dereliction of duty which has been slept under the rug. FAA records make it very clear that uh, flight controllers were first put out an alert regarding the Flight 77 heading back toward Washington on half an hour before it supposedly crashed at the Pentagon. The plane was plainly visible on radar during its approach, and the country was known to be under attack. And it was, whatever the timeline was, the defenses of what's supposed to be the most powerfully fortified building in the world failed. And people who were there, who survived, tried to raise questions about the failure. I mean, those who had been assigned there had been heavily indoctrinated about the strength and power of the defense system at the what amounts to a fortress. They had been subjected to repeated evacuation drills over the preceding months to the point where many were disgruntled over the frequent interruptions of their work. Well, now keep in mind, those who uh, survived are probably not going to be openly vocal because they're dependent on the, the army and the government for their medical and other benefits. I mean, I'm a uh, disabled veteran, and I have um, I've heard veteran officials threaten veterans who get out of line with the loss of benefits if they don't shut up. Illegal, yes, but they do it. Well, keep in mind that. Um, Many, many people who tried to get answers were stonewalled by the powers that be. Now, we're going to do another show about this tomorrow and go into a little bit more detail, things you may never have heard. Until then, we run out of time. This is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.